Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. All right, so Phil, we're honored to have Dan Cormier, a former U.S. Army colonel on the Sea Captain Way podcast today. Dan is a highly skilled at developing leaders to maximize the effectiveness of organizations and connect talent to results. Prior to joining Sea Captain Coaching, Dan developed leaders for the United States Department of Defense and government. He was a professor at both the Naval and Army War Colleges, where he specialized in leadership, national security, and Middle Eastern studies. Yeah, I'd, uh, Dan, it's great to have you here. We're just very proud to have Dan as an executive coach on the Sea Captain team, where he's committed to helping leaders grow, offering guidance to improve organizational leadership programs. His experience includes commanding a thousand soldier multifunction battalion that conducted combat operations in Kirkuk, Iraq. Welcome, Dan. Oh, by the way, we're also good friends. He also <laughs> resides in Newport, uh, Rhode Island, where where I uh, operate out of, and, and that's how we met. So it's great to make that connection. Welcome, Dan. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, guys. This has been great. Uh, the whole experience with Sea Captain Coaching has been great. I'm excited to do a podcast like this, something I've always wanted to try. Awesome. Great having you. Yeah, Dan, so I know from reading your bio that you work with your clients to unlock their potential by helping them see challenges and look for solutions from different perspectives to develop leadership skills. You also focus on helping them achieve personal and group goals based on your experience leading troops in the military. So what brought you to coaching after your career in the Army? So one of the phrases I always remembered, it was uh, Chief of Staff of the Army, uh, General Dennis Reimer. They came up with this phrase, uh, soldiers are your credentials. And the story derives from uh, World War II, where the uh, 8th Infantry Division was attacking to the northwest of uh, France in Brittany. And they had quickly overrun a German position. Uh, but the German general that was in the bunker refused to surrender. So he was demanding that a commanding officer come forward so they could do, discuss surrender terms. Mm-hmm. So it happened that the assistant division commander was nearby. So he came over, went into the bunker uh, with a bunch of his soldiers. And the first thing the German general said was, please show me your credentials. And he looked at all his soldiers and he said, these are my credentials. Right. Wow. And General Reimer took that story and kind of uh, made it his own and really tried to emphasize to us as leaders that it's not necessarily about you or your personal accomplishments, but it's really about how much you bring to the organization and the legacy you leave by uh, developing your subordinates and the bench for the army and the organization for the future. Wow. So to answer the broader question, the reason I I came to see captain coaching is I personally always enjoyed working with leaders, helping them develop um, intellectually, helping them understand their leadership roles, develop their communication abilities problem-solving abilities, things like that. So it's one of these things I've always enjoyed in the military. And then at a, I had the luxury um, during my career to actually teach at both the Army and Naval War Colleges. And that gave me the 
impetus to continue to do these types of things to pass on to the next uh, cohort the lessons that we've learned. Yeah, and Dan, it's it's just so funny. I can't recall as we got to know each other. I can't recall the moment where it just made sense for us to have a conversation about this, but it just seemed effortless and natural when it occurred. And it's just funny. I'm trying to reflect back, and I it just sort of happened, right? And uh, so it's it's uh, been an interesting journey with you. Well, I know we had plenty of discussions over the line, and uh, <laughs> I know that uh, Phil's always asking me for fantasy football advice. So we, we have numerous opportunities um, to have these types of conversation. But I think we both found that we're really in the leader development business. You know, me as a soldier and you with sea captains, so that was a, like a natural merger to kind of bring it all together and, and see what we could do. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was all of that. So, uh, Dan, you've got a Ph.D. in U.S. diplomatic history from Temple University and an, and a master's in international relations from BU, Boston University. And you served as the senior curriculum design manager for the U.S. Naval Leadership and Ethics Center to develop programs to improve leadership, decision-making, and problem-solving skills for Navy leaders. That is a mouthful. How did you transition during military career from being a soldier to being an academic? Yeah, so I think at a certain point in everyone's career, you kind of realize that, you know, the retirement's coming. It's, it's a young person's business. And, you know, I, I got to that phase where I realized, like, my days of kicking indoors were over. Um, so, so what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, that kind of moment. And as I said before, I, I kind of gravitated back towards what do I enjoy doing? What, you know, what colors my parachute? I realized that for me, it really was about passing on lessons to others and helping others, enormous job satisfaction from that. And so it doesn't feel like work, you know, it's something I'm passionate about. So for me, that was an easy transition. And then I had the luxury the last decade to teach at both the Army and Naval War Colleges. So that gave me the opportunity to really try it out and see what I, was it a good fit for me? And uh, I was able to discover that it was. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. So I know uh, at Sea Captain Coaching, Phil focuses um, on his clients on team leadership development skills and growing teams and team members. And, you know, they understand that their future success is dependent on the team they build around them. How does the military define leadership? Yeah. So the, the army in particular is very focused on leader development. And, and part of that is not only our service culture, but just an imperative of the business in that sense. So we define leadership as influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. And I think this definition fits pretty well with business practices. Our focus on both the business side and the military side is like a coin. I, I see there's a lot of parallels with both. Along that line, I'd like to say that, you know, one of the things I've experienced talking to, you know, business leaders is there's often a misperception of what military leadership is, you know. All of us have watched, you know, the various military movies. You know, Hollywood has uh, put in our heads these narratives that it's all about being screamed at, yelled at. And there's some of that. But I would argue that that's a very small part of what leadership is about. Um, Certainly in a combat environment, you know, trust is probably the most critical uh, variable, both for building teams and to actually leading uh, soldiers in combat. And I think that that's, that's something that we can certainly carry over uh, to the business side. Mm-hmm. 
So we see this broader model of leader development in the Army playing out. We're very deliberate about leadership development schools. You know, we, we kind of see leadership as a triad of kind of on-the-job training or experiences, education, and self-development. So those three become kind of pillars that help leaders continue to grow. And mm-hmm. it's not unusual in the Army to see young people that within a year or so or, or a couple of years of being in the Army, now they're thrust into a leadership. So in that way, the Army is a leadership laboratory. So mm-hmm. we're constantly training young people to develop their abilities as leaders, to take responsibility, to be accountable, um, and to set high standards and lead organizations. So it's part of our mantra. Um, and I think a lot of the things we do in the military have a direct parallel to the civilian side. Yeah. Yeah. So I've worked with clients that had a military background and they seem to have a real comfort level with working with other people that have the military background. I guess there's a certain level of trust and confidence there. So I would, I found that interesting that they, they connect just based on that shared experience. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of gauntlet exercises. Um, in fact, we purposely, you know, the screaming and yelling, you know, Hollywood portrays. Yeah. Some of that's intentional when you train people. You know, if you go to the rifle range and yeah. you're doing a live fire exercise, we add noise to that environment. We'll have okay. speakers playing, you know, artillery bombardments and yeah. other things. So it's very loud. It's very chaotic. Yeah. You're constantly being yelled at to do things because what we're trying to do is replicate the stress of combat. And teach leaders to handle that stress in a positive way so they can give accurate, effective communication to their team to accomplish a mission or to redirect them as needed during a fluid battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I have my father served in World War II as a Marine drill instructor, and then he had a lot of kids. So I had uh, my dad, (laughs) as teenagers, he would ask the question, and if you didn't answer quick enough, he'd say, do you read me? <laughs> so by proxy, but no, I, I wasn't uh, the type of experience you had, obviously. Yeah. So uh, let me uh, ask you a quick question uh, around, you know, as you're thinking about leadership, okay, mm-hmm. and you're thinking about uh, a leadership lab, how can that be replicated in a civilian environment or a civilian business? Like I said, there, there's some. Clearly, some distinct differences between the military and civilian leadership. But I do think there's enormous overlap as well. So, the first thing I would say that both organizations focus their leaders on serving the organization, right? You have to develop the ability to lead yourself, to lead teams, and to lead for the organization. So, we we share that in common. I think military members naturally gravitate towards organizational goals, they understand how their efforts nest with the bigger picture of what the organization is trying to accomplish, things like that. That's really ingrained in how we think of what leadership's all about. We also organize our leadership in very similar ways. You know, we focus on tasks, we focus on who's responsible for it. We look at how we can collaborate to best bring all of our abilities and talents together to achieve common purposes, things like that. How can we maximize the use of resources so I think that's a very, you know, there's, a, there's enormous uh, similarities, I guess, between the two. And last, I think we both judge leaders in very similar ways. We look at leaders for how well they can communicate, how well they can plan, how well they can build teams, their motivation, their character, 
their self-awareness and their things like their intelligence. I think all of those variables are very much pervasive in both environments. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, Greg, little side point here. As Dan and I started working on this project of leadership development using both military and business themes, mm-hmm. we were both, uh, have, as we had the conversation, I said, Dan, let's do this. You put together the 10 topics that you think would build out a leadership curriculum, and I'll put together what I think the 10 are, and let's see what we come up with, see how close we get. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting how I'd say eight to 10 wow. were almost spot on together. Yeah. So it, it just shares with you that the that these themes are themes, you know, core values, vision, mission, mm-hmm. those are themes, you know, task orientation, goal orientation, things. Those are just uh, universal themes. But what I like about what Dan does is he takes interest in the whole pathway. And Mm -hmm. that's why I think it was a good fit for both of us to start our discussion. Yeah. So I was looking forward uh, to this having Dan on the show. And the one question that I really was interested in hearing his opinion about is that, you know, the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine that's been, you know, a top news story since it began in February. A lot of the stories I'm seeing are about how heroically the Ukrainians are fighting and how the Russian army is in disarray and performing poorly. What makes the U.S. Army special or distinct from other armies around the world? I think that has a lot of answers, but the big one from a leadership perspective is our Army makes a very deliberate effort to develop and empower our junior leaders, right? From junior enlisted to junior officers, um, non-commissioned officers and officers. It's all about teaching them, giving them the skills so they can take disciplined initiative to achieve objectives. That's very, very different than what you see in the, in the Russian approach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hierarchical. It's very top-down driven. And what you think have seen play out in Ukraine, and at first I'd like to say that, you know, a lot of kudos to Ukrainians because it's not just the, a Russian problem. It's also partly due to the Ukrainian success and will to fight and their own prowess. But from the Russian side, I think we're seeing in a lot of commentaries that have talked about this, a real deficiency because of that lack of junior leadership. Mm -hmm. So when they encounter a problem that they're not familiar with, they wait to be told to do. Um, When they find themselves in a situation that uh, is unusual, they ask for direction, right? right? So I think that's a very different approach than what we see in our army, for example, in my experience, that you know, we call our non-commissioned officers the backbone of the army, and that's not hyperbole. That is true, that we expect them to lead and lead effectively, take the initiative, and make missions happen routinely. And they do it all the time. And they develop that expertise that we place a lot of trust in their judgment. We put a lot of trust in their abilities, and we allow them to often drive what's occurring. So they might say, mm-hmm. hey, I think we need to go left. and Everybody goes, yep, let's go left, right? So the guy on the ground has his enormous ability to influence how a battle plays out in our formations because of that developmental approach that we take. Yeah, so I'm a World War II history buff because of my dad. And I just, you know, it's just the greatest generation thing. But I do remember reading about D-Day. And Phil, you were just in Normandy doing the tour, right? Yeah, yeah. 
that uh, basically the plan kind of fell apart and they just had to start improvising their way forward. And that the same as, you know, they said the German army was waiting for somebody. They were waiting to be told what to do. And that swung the tide. Yeah, there were, in fact, a lot of stories around that exact item Okay, beyond the scope of our conversation today. But, you know, backbone of the army definitely applied. Mm -hmm. And for those listening today, if you're going to if you're going to contact Dan to have any conversation about leadership development curriculum or even a, a talk that he might give to your organization, backbone of the army is that uh, seminar, is that talk that you want to you want to consider. It is awesome. Um, I've seen it, you know, Dan's uh, delivery of it. It's it's really terrific. Dan, maybe share a little bit more about that concept. Yeah. So the when we were designing the Backbone of the Army talk, really tried to focus on that transition from doer to leader, because in the military, we, we see that as kind of a formative event in a lot of people's approach, right? So the first thing we try to do is get people to think differently from what they've been doing in the past, for example. So the military is very methodical. You know, as soon as you get on a promotion list that now you're going to make sergeant, for example, you go to leadership school. I mean, you're, you're on the list. You got to get that leadership school under your belt in a short period of time so that you can get promoted and take over leadership responsibilities. So we're very deliberate about that. So part of it is, is a shift in frame of reference and perspective um, mm -hmm. and empowering people to do that. So the talk kind of orients on that. The second thing we look at is we try to figure out how to demystify what leadership is. So in my job at the Navy Leadership and Ethics Center, you know, I did a broad survey of leadership literature. And one of the things you find is there's so much out there. You could fill a wing of the Smithsonian with all the leadership books that are out there and all the good ideas. And not that those are individually bad. There's lots of great literature out there. But the reality is it's very hard to digest. If you're, if you're coming into the leadership position, where do you start, right? That's the big question. So the talk tries to focus on some key lessons that leaders can start to think about immediately to improve their leadership approach uh, the very next day. So that was kind of the, the broad part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was in battalion command, I used to try to emphasize this to our young privates, right? Typical private comes in the army from anywhere from two to four years. They're not sure if they're going to stay. They're not sure what it's all about. You know, they're, they're kind of a uh, culture shock of Hollywood is still in the back of their minds. Um, and they've just been through basic training where maybe they were yelled at a lot more or was a lot more, you know, strict environments that they were under. And they find themselves in a unit. And the first thing I always tell them is, don't think of yourself as a super private. We don't need super private. We don't need the, the young soldier and he or she is just going to do what they're told, but then do it really well. Start thinking of yourself as future leaders. Because just within 18 months, or some people even less, you'll find yourself in a leadership opportunity. And the more you do now to not only master your own job, understand everyone else's job in your unit, how they interrelate, how they come together to achieve team objectives, the more prepared you're going to be to, be, to lead that team in the future. So I kept telling them, you're not a super private, you're a future leader. Put that in your head. Whether you stay in the army or you get out after your, your initial term of two to four years, what do you want to be the rest of your life? Do you want to just be told what to do or you want to move into a management leadership type position? So start thinking of yourself that way. So one of the ways we do that, so 
part of it is that perspective. The other part is demystifying it. And we use in the, in the seminar, basically, military stories as the theme or the vehicle to kind of relay a lot of these lessons. So it adds some texture. It's, it's interesting, um, but it really tries to then boil it down to like, what, what are the nuggets that you can apply tomorrow as a leader in your organization? Interesting. And uh, it's so important in today's business environment to be aware of the fact that as the phrase I like to use is, if you look around the room and you can't find the leader, that means it's you. (laughs) And you need to be ready and prepared for when that time occurs so that you can uh, lead. Um, be present, be focused, and make it happen. And so much of that was played out in the uh, Normandy uh, experience that I Mm -hmm. had, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, with the 101st Airborne, 84th Airborne, I believe, 84th. And there were people whose lives at 19 years old were defined forever. And it wasn't about uh, the fact that they gave their life for their country. Many did. But for some of them, they literally were thrust in after a week, two weeks of training to deliver. And uh, one of the most profound parts of that, Dan, I haven't even discussed this with you yet. One of the most uh, profound pieces was that that one of the one of the leaders thrust in ended up getting buried at the cemetery where he dropped in the Normandy area, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the most significant moment of his life. And he was defined by it and recognized for it. And it was really special that way. And, and uh, so you don't, you don't know when it's going to be your moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I like, to, I like to think of leadership, you know, we purposely use the word influence because influence can have a lot of variables to it. It's not necessarily your title. So, you know, the boss maybe makes the the final decision. He or she gets to make the final decision. But as a leader, you can still influence that decision, right? You can help shape the understanding. You can shape um, different choices that we could make on how we're going to proceed and help influence where things are going to go. So, you know, particularly at the war colleges, when we teach things like organizational leadership, you know, we talk about the policy entrepreneurs that you see throughout the Pentagon and within the U.S. government. You know, these are generally mid-level folks who maybe not in the decision maker, but they do a great job of socializing a good idea and getting it up into the into the decision cycle so that it can be implemented. So there's a lot of ways to influence outcomes. And part of it is just shifting the way you think about yourself from just following orders towards being a leader, um, no matter what your role is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, this is great stuff. And I know we're getting close on time and uh, about to wrap. So Phil, just to kind of revisit, if somebody wants to schedule a consultation with Dan, they can go to the Sea Captain Coaching website and fill out the contact form. That's right. Simple. And uh, I think what you, for those listening in today, what you've seen from Dan Cormier is, uh, as I like to say, you can't do anything for 30 years and not be good at it. Um, and uh, so he's got the tenure, but I think what you see today is the ability for him to articulate a message that will resonate with, uh, with leaders at every level. And the backbone of the Army presentation alone 
is worth uh, uh, looking into. And uh, you access Dan through Sea Captain uh, Coaching website, and uh, and then our team will uh, will get you connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, it, it uh, it's been great spending time with you today. Um, I see you quite a bit, but it's great uh, spending time in this in this environment. We've never had an Army Colonel on the show before, Dan. So how do we fall <laughs> out after uh, this conversation? <laughs> You know, I expect a whole new level of, of trust and confidence and, and maybe uh, you guys could put me more up on a pedestal when we yeah. discuss things. Yeah. You know. When we were yeah. kids, my dad would say, drop your pack and stand at ease when we were done. <laughs> and you, I, you, I think, you know, Greg's one of 10. So uh, he had, wow. that, that was an army. Uh, he's not kidding. <laughs> right. Um, cool. Well, this has but, been a great, great experience for me. And I'm hoping that, uh, People take some of these lessons we've talked about today and, and really think about how they can improve themselves as leaders. Because I, what I found personally is that there's a lot of satisfaction in your life. And when you look back on uh, what you accomplished at, you know, at our age, you start really in, embedding or really understanding that it was all about soldiers and those are my credentials. Yeah, I love that. Dan, pleasure. Um, I'll buy first round when I see you. All right. Good <laughs> take to see care, you guys. my friend. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose-driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey.